Uh, all right, streaming, meeting, streaming everywhere. Beautiful. It is beautiful. What are, you, what are you doing for your birthday today? How did you know it was my birthday? Oh, you know, you know. Well, I've you been didn't around say, for well, you thirty didn't, of them. <laughs> You've been around for a lot of them, actually. Mm. Thirty. I don't know. Well, because you didn't say anything when we uh, connected here a couple minutes ago. I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to go, hey, did you know it's my birthday? Well, I, I don't know. I just thought of it the other day. Today could have easily gone by without me remembering your birthday. So, yeah, for sure. But what made you remember it just now? Oh, no, I knew this morning when I woke up. I was 24. That's Howard's birthday. And I thought oh, I would I just wait till we were on the show to say it. Well, that's very nice of you. I went, uh, Rachel took me and Spencer, she had arranged for us to go to this place near Guelph. It was an alpaca farm. <laughs> and it was the sweetest thing. And, uh, and I want to tell you about the alpacas that we met. And I want to tell you about the horses that kissed me. But there's no way anyone listening to this show is going to want to hit play and hear about anything other than last night's football game. Okay, so I'll tell so you. Not, by the way, we're not we're not talking about the alpaca farm now because my question is why. But uh, we'll oh, get to that. It, first of all, I have some facts about alpacas. <laughs> that will. What is an alpaca? It's like uh, that's where you get the 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 sweater stuff from. Like a llama type. Thing? They look like a llama, but different. They spend all, all day. Right. They spend all day regurgitating their food. Cool. Anyway, but. Uh, I, and, I, and listen, I get why there would be an assumption, and, and probably a good one, that I wouldn't have watched the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Boone sent a note, oh, you, Freddie, you saw the Bills, and I'm like, hey, Boone, yeah, I watched it too, because as you well, said... He would never expect you to watch the game, that's why he would No, for sure, but that's the... It, it was funny, because I... Golf ended, and I was making dinner, I thought, oh, I'll just watch it on the my computer while I'm making dinner. And then afterwards, I was kind of thinking I'd watch some Ozark. Did you watch any Ozark this weekend? Yep. Mm-hmm. How many episodes did you get? Uh, I think I watched three. Yeah, I got the first couple. I want to talk about that later. Anyway, I started watching the football game, and I thought, oh, this is exciting. You know, some good stuff back and forth scoring early, and it's 14-14. And then I thought, okay, well, now i gotta watch. Now I got to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. What what the hell was that? Well, it was one of the greatest football games I've ever watched. Yeah. And it, you know, it was as Jim Nance and Tony Romer were saying, the greatest display of quarterbacking in one game maybe ever. Yeah, that was something else. It was uh it was something else. I was 3 feet in front of the television set sitting on the coffee table down the stretch there. Yeah. I so wanted Buffalo. You know, it would mean it would mean so much for the city of Buffalo to win a Super Bowl. And I'll tell you, that may have been the Super Bowl last night. Well, I was going to say that it's too bad that wasn't the Super Bowl because I don't know how much more excitement the actual Super Game could be. Yeah. But I, I was just going to ask you about something. I have a theory, or maybe a mm. more of a joke. But did that happen last night because Buffalo is too close to Toronto? Like some of that leaf luck. Because that's what I was thinking. I knew you were watching it, and I kept thinking to myself, is this going to be one of those things where they're going to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? Well, 
great point <clears throat> because I sat there and when they when Buffalo went ahead thirty six thirty three with thirteen seconds to go, I had the same idea in my head that I did, you know, Raptors game six in Golden State when the night they won the NBA championship. I'm sitting there going they're going to win this. Like, this is fantastic. They're going to win this. Like, certainly nothing can go wrong. But as a Toronto sports fan, it's in your mind that something could go wrong. Sure. But I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay, 13 seconds, they, they've got this. Buffalo's going to go to the AFC Championship, host it, and probably go to the Super Bowl. And then it all unraveled. And, I mean, where do we go from, you know, that... Well, can we just stop there for a second? Because, again, you know, I... You ask me questions. Well, I know enough about the game. And I... and I, But I don't... You know, listen, that was the first NFL game I watched this year. And I thought to myself when I was watching it, if you're only going to watch one game, this is a pretty good one. But even I... Listen, the last couple of minutes of that game i had my hands you know i it was i did but there was it was so exciting and i was like don't I, I kept going no way there's no way they're gonna come back i have a question for you though with my limited knowledge of the game as romo was saying when when buffalo kicked off to uh to the uh the chiefs there yeah with 13 seconds to go and he mm-hmm. said oh they're probably going to do a short kick keep it on the ground whatever whatever yeah why, why would the coach of buffalo have them kick it into the end zone so that they could bring it back out to what is it the 35 or the 25 right which one is it though 25 or the 20 i think well whatever it is why give them that opportunity well, here's the thinking, because they have uh, that one kid that they have that returns kicks is pretty good. I think they, they, they feel they're just more in control that way. If they kick the ball to him right. or squib, if you squib it, then wait a minute, it's not going very deep. Maybe right. a couple of passes, they're in field goal range, right? Um, and then if you let him return it, who knows a couple of blocks he's in field goal range i guess their thinking is okay 20 yard line we're sort of in control here where they are right and they've only got Uh, 13 seconds to move it into field goal range which they did and then romo was great you know what i mean not to get too technical they had they had four guys on the line instead of three and one back and then the guys wide open and on and on and on it's just like it was a freaking nightmare but I'll tell you, that game ended. I had the same feeling that I have with the Leafs and the Blue Jays. Like, just bitter disappointment. Like, this hollow, rotten feeling. Mm-hmm. That's how much I've grown to love this little football team. I've always been a Bills fan, but this team is just a great team. And so close. And as I say, you know, Kansas City will probably win the the Super Bowl now. And that could have been the Bills. Just in that... And Howard, that that ridiculous overtime rule they have is well. Just, I wanted to ask you about that. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, I didn't understand it, and and I almost I, I knew you were you were watching. I didn't. I, I was going to call you and ask a question, but I thought I'll wait because I just didn't understand the the coin toss gives the winner of the coin toss the option to receive. Okay, so that's kind of a little bit skewed. Then when they start the clock, I'm like, oh, so they get to, because I wasn't sure. They're playing a 15-minute quarter, and then at one point, a few minutes in, a, a little graphic popped up, and the graphic said, first to make a touchdown wins. I'm like, well, wait a second, you mean it's not a full quarter? Because I thought, 
that both teams got a chance. It is. It has to be the most ridiculous rule in professional sports. Now, they have it during the regular season, too. And the rule is this. Coin toss, you always elect to receive because if you score a touchdown, right? Yeah. The game is over. The other team doesn't get to reply. If you kick a field goal, the game continues. The other team gets to reply with a field goal to tie or a touchdown to win. Ridiculous. Absolutely. You know, it's actually shameful. And even if that's the regular season rule, yeah. like the NHL has three on three for overtime, but in the in the playoffs, it's five on five. It's normal. And hockey. in the NHL, you play off until there's a winner in the playoffs. Yes. So, but again, you know, there's different levels like the. I, I, the CFL doesn't even have that. The CFL's overtime rule is you start at the 35, but you get to reply. Like, how do you not get to reply? I like, don't how know. Do the Bills and, not get the ball back? Until the moment that graphic popped up, mm-hmm. I was just sort of going, oh, because I didn't know the rule. Don't know. I don't watch enough of it. I know the rule now, though. But when, it, when that yeah. graphic popped up, I was sort of confused. I'm like, wait a minute. It says you've got 15 minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. But if they score a, a, a major point as opposed mm-hmm. to... And I didn't know that, mm-hmm. by the way. I didn't realize that. Yes. I thought, oh, I didn't know if you scored a, a, a field goal that you could continue. It's just so weird. And too bad, by the way. It's too bad it had to end that way because it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Well, and the way the Bills were going and, and Josh Allen, just remarkable quarterback... He, over the next couple of seasons, will emerge as the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, he's I'm so afraid special. of him getting hurt, though. He runs the ball too much, but he's going to get... He runs... It's funny how he runs. He runs like no quarterback I've seen. They, no, there I, was that one play where he leaped over someone. Cause, and listen, Mahomes is a very, very good runner, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But there was a... But, a, but, yeah. but Allen runs like a, 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 a tailback. That's what Tony Roma said. But he's he's so big... I just I just fear for those knees like it's going to catch up with him at some point, I would think. And as he gets older, he'll probably run less. But just a beautiful thing to watch. You know, and if Buffalo, the way they had been playing, if they'd have won the coin toss, they probably would have scored a touchdown. Who knows for sure, obviously. But isn't it a sad, sad, sad statement that a football game that beautiful yep. really ends on a coin toss? Yep. It sucks. It, like it really does. They they have to look at that rule. Even if even if it's just in the playoffs, like come on. Um, a bunch of people were tweeting about it last night, and I looked online. And uh, one of the guys at Caddy's on the PGA Tour, he used to caddy for, I think, um, uh, Matt Kuchar, and now he's a commentator. He said they should change the PGA Tour rules in case of a playoff. Just have one of the players play the first playoff hole. If he birdies, the tournament's over, and the other guy doesn't get to get his clubs dirty. Yeah, like exactly. it, it's kind of like that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if you win, because what they do on tour in a playoff is, let's say there's two of us, they put mm-hmm. a number in the in a hat, one mm-hmm. or two, and all that is is you get to tee off and I go second. Not you get to play the hole and I don't. <laughs> That's what it's like. Well, there's it's, all sorts of comparison. It would be like a shootout in the NHL. If you shoot first and score, it's over. Exactly. The other team doesn't get the, a shot. Like, it, it's like, you know, we often use the, the analogy or the situation. Guys sat around in a room and decided this was a good idea. Yeah. Like, are they fucking crazy? And what's weird about it is this. Think about 
any game, any football game that ends in a tie, it's got to have been a pretty exciting football game for it to end tied up to go into overtime. Because what are the chances with the scoring technique? What are the chances that it's going to end in a tie, right? Right. So here's all the three points and seven points and six points. To your point about someone had made this decision that in the playoffs, when things are already heightened, everyone's watching it. This is the most meaningful game of the year for these two teams. And it ended because one of the teams got lucky Heads or fucking tails. It's just, it, it really was, it took me a couple minutes to kind of figure out right. that that was it. You know, people would argue, you know, the rules going in and um, Kansas City, to their credit, got a touchdown. But how much longer would it take or how much and how how even more exciting would it would it have been? If Kansas City scored that touchdown last night and the Bills got to reply, yeah. the suspense that that would have created. Like, what's the problem with that? So put your and again and I'm repeating myself. You know, regular season fine. There's travel schedules. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you don't want the players to get beat up. Blah blah blah. All that shit. Like the NHL with their three on three, so it'll end quick. But in the but in the playoffs, come on, man. So uh, tell me if you had to, what would the if you could think of a reason, mm-hmm. what would that reason be that they would do this in the playoffs <laughs> in the NFL? I don't know. You know, you're going to be reading a lot about that today. But one thing I will say about the NFL and a lot, you know, it takes a lot of criticism because often in the playoffs, the games are one sided and not very compelling. Well, all four games, the other three games, I think all ended on last play field goals. No, no, I saw the highlights. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely remarkable. And it was just delicious to see Aaron Rodgers lose on Saturday night. Although the big problem there, apparently you let Joe Rogan call all his plays. <laughs> and that, that, that was an issue. Yeah, by the way, speaking of uh, the anti-vax movement, <laughs> it was hard because every time Cole Beasley ran with the ball, I was like, Ugh. like he's pretty good. But I kept, all I could think of is, oh, that's the guy that doesn't want to get vaccinated. Weird, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, there's lots of show here, people. Hang around. Here we go. The following episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, GoDaddy, and our newest sponsor, Manscaped. If clean balls are important to you, and I know they are, get Manscaped for a cleaner ball every time. And now, here are two men whose nut game is on point. It's Humble and Fred. Da, da, da. I needed love, da, da, da. most of all, most of all. Continuing with the golf analogy, that game, it's, you know, I know it's cliche. They say this in sports all the time. It's too bad there had to be a loser because Patrick Mahone's He's an amazing athlete. So is this Josh Allen kid. But it was a really good game. It was one of the funnest games. You know, I guess I kept thinking to myself, this was a pretty good game to pop in for the whole event. And I was thinking about it as the golf was ending. I was like, what am I going to watch tonight? I'm going to watch Ozark or whatever. And then I would just take a look at it. But but using the golf analogy, I kept thinking, you know, this is like when one guy shoots 63 and the other guy shoots 64. You know, there's only one shot in between, but they both shot way under par, and it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But I felt bad well, for you guys that love the Bills. I'm not that I don't, but I don't follow them like you do. 
No, but you watch the game because you're a responsible podcaster, broadcaster. Yeah. Never I tell, tell <laughs> that story when I was in Peterborough. And I had a morning man that never, ever talked about sports. Now, this was a rock station, you know, in Peterborough where the Pete's are big. And so I used to say to him the odd time, I said, don't you think maybe you should have a couple of sports breaks? I don't like sports. I said, well, it really doesn't matter that you don't like sports. <laughs> I said, you know, you're part of this job you have. You're an actor. So pretend you do because you're talking to your audience. This is a rock radio station in Peterborough, Ontario, for Christ's sake. And I remember I had to phone him, but it was the first Super Bowl. And I phoned him the day before and I said, Jay, or, oh, I, oh, I said his name. I said, are you going to watch the Super Bowl? And he goes, probably not. And I said, Jay, like, that's not really the answer I want to hear. Listen, you know, you think you're a funny guy. I said, watch the Super Bowl and take notes. All the weird, quirky, funny things that you see. Because he, 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 he prided himself as a writer. Mm. I said, just watch the game. Make notes about quirky, goofy stuff. But just talk about the game. <laughs> because it's your responsibility to be talking about what's top of mind. Right? No, absolutely. And it's a great lesson. Not, not that I don't know that. But part of it is... I know I know the point you're making. It's not that I even if I hadn't watched the game last night, I would come in here this morning. Not that I would pretend I watched it, but I would have enough game reference. Right. Because I would go and find out what I needed to know. Over time, mm-hmm. both players played well. Um you know, uh, Josh Allen scored nine touchdowns, had nine touchdowns in two games and, you know, isn't going to the play. You know what I mean? I would have some references, but I, I watched it. I, I was sucked in by it by just how good a game it was. Well, yeah, it was a huge event. And hey, it's a local event. It, exactly. It, it really was. A, it is a local event because, you know, I often notice that like. In the NFL, like teams, cities that don't have teams gravitate to other teams and teams own areas. Did you know the San Francisco um, 49ers play like down near San Jose, about an hour and a bit away from San Francisco? I I didn't know, but sure. I I know what I know where San Jose is. Yeah, they built a stadium down there at the bottom of that the, the bay or whatever. You know, not dissimilar to Toronto and Buffalo. Right. What I'm saying is like, you know, there's people in, you know, Peterborough and North Bay and all that love the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're a far they're as far away from the Scotiabank Arena as we are from Buffalo. So, you know, the point I'm trying to make, it was a local event. Absolutely. That's sort of like our NFL team. And, and they, you know, they they almost did it. Yeah, it was a, it was a heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker, and uh, I was glad to have watched it. But as a and, broadcaster, and, and, I was going to say, though, to our point about you, you, you telling your morning guy you should probably watch the Super Bowl. I mean, there are certain things as a broadcaster, especially the morning team, that you have to have some awareness of, even if that's not your thing. Mm-hmm. Well. There could have been a good chance that that morning could have gone by with no reference or mention of it other than the newscaster giving the score. Um, but again, you know, just the challenges you have as a, as a no, I get director. It. And, and the last point I would like to make is, you know, I've never been a Buffalo Sabres fan, obviously, because of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the rivalry that once existed. Um, 
But for this, you know, I've always wanted the Bills to win a Super Bowl just for that city. You know, yeah. that tired little, depressed little, can't seem to get ahead city. What that would do for them. It would just be a wonderful, wonderful thing. No, absolutely. And, and I and I got to be honest with you, I was actually pulling for them for all those reasons. And also for my buddy Fred, I know you, you know, it would be good for you. <laughs> That's why when they lost, I was like, oh, buddy. Oh, Fredly. It's going to be sitting there all jazzed up when the game was over. And it was a shitty way for the mm-hmm. for the result to be decided and I was just, I went I was I went to bed excited yeah like I can't I imagine know. you and then I hopped in my bed and I listened to WGR 550 out of Buffalo to hear the the post game and of course they're slicing and dicing the coach for you know some of the questions yeah yeah uh, questionable calls down the thing one thing I will say about the Buffalo Bills during the game they didn't finish. There was tackles they didn't finish that could have made a big difference. It just seemed Kansas City players were just getting out of their grasp all the time. But again, that's here under there. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's you. I can't. I could talk about. Well, I understand they have one of the best third down defenses in the league. Yeah. But I was just mm-hmm. parroting things I heard last night. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have the acumen you do. I mean, I enjoy the game, and I don't. I wish. I've always wished this about. I. I, I like watching any sport when it matters i'll watch most playoff games if it matters because it i just love the fact Mm -hmm. that and that's i've told you this about why i like watching the pga tour on sunday afternoon because even yesterday afternoon like it wasn't like i had any somebody i was really cheering for but i just know that in a couple hours one of these guys is going to win something Right. One of these people, and it was really, it was a great afternoon. There was like a 1.7 guys with one shot back. So there's a built-in result every Sunday afternoon. Well, yesterday evening, I got to watch a game where I knew that this result was one, someone's going home after this. Mm-hmm. And for me, I can, yeah. listen, I can't watch sure. a Buffalo Bills game in November. I don't give a shit enough. Mm-hmm. But I, I watched it last night, and I was really excited. Mm-hmm. And then I was really bewildered. At the end, but it was very, very entertaining. It was one of the most entertaining games you could watch. And, you know, there's nothing like having skin in the game. Because that's what I was thinking now going forward. Yeah, I'll watch the playoffs, but I won't be be in the same sort of state of mind that I was for this game. Because it's lost its meaning. Can you imagine Buffalo next weekend hosting the AFC and knowing knowing that that game means you get to go to the Super Bowl? I'd watch that game. Yeah. And that was the thing because you know, up until last night, all three road teams had won. Yes. Which meant with Cincinnati winning, beating Tennessee, it meant if the Bills won, they got to host the game. Which would have been huge in Buffalo in yeah. that weather. Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, they're having the same weather we are. I mean, if you listen to our show and you're not from this area, trust me, we're, where I live here is, you know, an hour and 15 minutes from Buffalo. It's just as cold there. And I thought that. I thought, if these guys come back to Buffalo, what is that going to be like? It's yeah. going to be entertaining is what it is. Hey, uh, and, and by the way, just one last thing about morning guys not paying attention to the bigger picture. You know, we, we've we done 23 minutes on this event that la- ha- happened last night. And it's not just about the football. Like, that was a big event in this area. Lots of guys mm-hmm. listening to our show were watching that game last night. So, in a weird way, 
I I turned it on at the beginning of the event for me more as a curiosity. I hadn't planned to watch the whole game. But part of me did it because I know as a guy, I need to be here to talk about it with you. Yeah, and I mean, it just, it was like um, three-tiered last night. Number one, the game, because of where it was and what it meant, was big. And then the fact that it was so good. And then the fact that it went into overtime with that <laughs> no, stupid rule. No, oh you know God. what I mean? So it I just know. Built, built. So, I mean, you want to talk water cooler talk. That's... <laughs> You know how often that rule is going to be discussed today? It's by all people are going to be talking about. Uh, it's like, going to be every, thousands of hours of sports talk radio. Not just sports, but talk radio as well. will be devoted to what we've just spent a few minutes talking about on this yeah. award-winning program. Uh, I'll tell you how we get this show on uh, the air or on the internet every day. It's brought to you by GoDaddy, powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. It's true. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you'll need to get your business online. There's no better time than now to get your ideas online with GoDaddy. You can find your domain, easily create your website, and finally bring things to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they're also here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Hey, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. If you have a small business, say just half a dozen people, for example, you can have a benefits package. Go to chamberplan.ca today, get a free quote. Uh, you might want to take some time, read the testimonials. The names are there, the people, their companies, and what the Chamber Plan has done for them. How it's given their, you know, their employees a boost, a lift. They feel great that they now work for a company that, you know, offers that kind of security, prescriptions and dental plans and the Teladoc system. Uh, depending on uh, the level you buy into, there's therapies. It can be done. 30,000 Canadian businesses are part of this, small businesses. And uh, they've been around for 40 years. It's a brilliant idea it will work for you chamberplan.ca da, 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 da. the uh i don't listen we can talk about the bills all show but there's other stuff going on i wanted to talk about a few uh deaths of course the weekend 2022 has not been uh it's been a bunch of celebrities just to review betty white gone too soon bob saget very young, 66 years old. Mm-hmm. Meatloaf, 74. But I don't, I, he, apparently, he died of the COVID. He didn't want. He was a. Did you know that? I, I I didn't know this, but I found out after the fact that he was a super anti-vaxer. Didn't want to be. Yeah. Thought the whole thing was bullshit. Yeah. And and that you know the joke going around is you know he would do anything for love, but you know <laughs> not get vaccinated. A mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, couple of weird things because I did it with you, and I and I did it with a couple people this weekend. Every time I was talking to somebody about Louis Anderson dying, mm. I said Louis C.K. Must have done that about ten times. Oh, yeah, did you hear you about call- Louis C.K. dying? And you were That's like, what? You, what? Said, you said that to me, and my heart dropped, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I know Louis died, but C.K. now? Wow, no, I know. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Lumby yesterday. 
it, it, he's a it, Lumby is a character, man. Because I brought up Louis Anderson, and, and I told him, I said, I keep making the mistake of saying Louis C.K. He's like, oh, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I'm like, what? Who, Louis Anderson or C.K.? Louis C.K. He does? Yeah. He's like, I can't stand anything that comes out of that guy's mouth. And I'm like, dude, he's one really? of the best comedians that's ever done oh. stand-up comedy. He goes, no. And I told him uh, one of, that, that joke about, you know, that you told me, by the way, which I still can't find, the... Uh, masturbation joke if somebody says you can masturbate in front of them make sure they mean it yeah but he just looked well, at me did you like, listen to that one i i, I couldn't find it oh well it's there all right but unless uh, i've was, you know, and, oh, then again you know i'm on spotify all that or unless maybe it was from a different i don't know but i'm sure that night i was lying in bed listening to the one on spotify that sincerely or whatever it's called or not I'm and it's in there. I mean, you can be disgusted by Louis and Louis CK's behavior, but you can't deny that you know, he's one of the greats of all time. Like I watched his latest special called Sorry and I'll tell you it's, it's some of the every joke. He's so good. It's just bizarre how good he is. Anyway, Louis Anderson who was also very good, I'd never met him. Didn't really you know, I knew of him in the 80s. Always thought he was really good. He was a very, very, very good stand-up comedian. He had a great act. And he died at, was he 67, 68? Yeah, something like that. He was very good. I don't, I know nothing. Like, I know who he is because he hosted a game show for a while, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was hosting at the end, The Price is Right. No, that's uh, the other guy. That's true. Family, didn't he? I think he hosted Family Feud or something like that. Maybe that that was it. But I remember seeing him. But as far as his stand up goes, but you know, but stand up comedy, it's like music. It's subjective. It's like who can you know? The people love ABBA. I don't. Um, If you saw, if you saw some of Louis' act, you would love it because he was Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson, really, really good. Yeah, I'm sure Um, would. Like one of the best. You know, not not maybe in the Chris Rock, Louis C.K., Seinfeld, but but not far below. One of those guys that if you saw him, you'd be laughing your head off for an hour in person. But so Meatloaf dies. First time. Did I ever tell you the story? The first time. This is a weird radio story. The first time I ever came to Toronto, I was working at a radio station in Calgary called Kick FM, sort of like a like a hybrid CFNY alternative station, whatever, but mm-hmm. a bit more poppy. And we did this contest because would CFNY would have never played meatloaf. I don't think would they? I don't think so. So our station in Calgary did. And we had a contest to go see meatloaf in Toronto with the morning guy, humble Howard. And so we do the contest and a young woman wins. Mm-hmm. And she, so she, this contest winner gets on a plane with me and our promotion director. I guess it's like 1983 or 84 or whatever it was. And, and, and flies to Toronto on her own. Like it was the weirdest thing. You know, we, we, we stayed here for a couple nights. We went to the concert, we toured around. That was really my first time in Toronto. And I thought about it this weekend thinking there's no way a contest winner is going to get on a plane in 2022 with two other strange men. No, I'm, I was around her age, I'm sure. She didn't get to bring a guest? Yeah, I thought about that. I'm like, maybe they're... Maybe they're, what? 
she didn't bring a guest, but I'm, I know. Isn't it weird? Just you, because usually those things are you and a friend go to, but there was no and a friend in this contest. Maybe we couldn't afford it. I don't know. I just thought of that thinking, well, that's, that was pretty weird that we went to Calgary or went from Calgary to Toronto with this woman. How old would she have been? My age. Like in, and I was in my early 20s and so was she. I guess they thought she's going with a couple of fellows from the radio station. They'll look after her. I guess. Yeah, no, but it is weird. To me, the the weirdest thing is that she couldn't bring a guest or <laughs> no, I know. Ult- ultimately didn't bring a guest. <laughs> uh, and you know what? There may have been circumstances that she couldn't or I don't remember why. I just remember that was my first time in Toronto. Saw Milo. If I want to say Massey Hall, but I could be wrong. It was some it wasn't a big venue. And then I was reminded of a story the one time you and I interviewed Meatloaf. Yeah, on the mix. Mm-hmm. And it was just weird. I wish we had it. Man. Yeah, it was weird. It was very, very aggravating. Because, you know, on, I was thinking about this last night after we talked about it. It was, it was just weird. Remember, he was just sort of incoherent and wasn't really answering the questions and thought he was a lot funnier than he was and all those things. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. So the guy walks in the room and he sits down. Oh, this is me, Loaf. This is pretty cool, you know. I'll I'll be a better broadcaster for this. And then it ends like, what the? What was that all about? Yeah. So he comes in. Mm hmm. And Andy Wilson, who was one of our producers at the time, had written about it on Facebook. And I was sort of reminded that, you know, we were only supposed to do a couple minutes and he he ran long. Like in those days for us, a long interview might be seven or eight minutes, but it was Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, as you say, incoherent babble. And and Andy says, you know, he reminded me at one point I kind of got frustrated and I just said, hey, are you going to let us ask any questions? And Mm -hmm. because what I kind of remember of the incident was almost like when you read about somebody having a manic episode, mm-hmm. someone who's manic depressive, when they're manic, they, they're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. remember thinking, hey, this is cool. We're going to interview uh, Meatloaf. That'll be something, you know. It was just weird. And then, you know, now, of course, you look back on it like, what, was everyone just weird with us? <laughs> was, it, was it us? Remember we had Elvis Presley's daughter in there one day, too? Yeah. Neighbor John liked her. He came down. Well, he liked Elvis, so he just wanted to be close to an Elvis person. <laughs> we had Elvis Presley's daughter. We had Janet Jackson. We had Avril Lavigne. All in a kind oh. of a... Remember at the mix? We had a, a kind of yeah, a I don't run know if there. I was around for those ones. Oh, you were. Is you and I? You and I interviewed Janet. We had to come back and do it, and it was in one of the other studios. And she another weird interview because she didn't really want to answer. She was very quiet. You may not have been there for Avril Lavigne because I, I remember going to get my daughters and bringing them back to the station in the afternoon. But Janet Jackson, for sure, you and I were there for it because it was just weird. Well, Meatloaf is dead. He's, uh, you know, there's that the, that whole side now. This thing about uh, anti-vax shaming—we shouldn't be doing that. What? Oh, there's this whole thing. We're not now. supposed to shame anti-vaxxers now. No, you're not supposed to, and you know, and especially <laughs> don't dance on their graves because apparently some people have, you know, 
actually, hey, you know, you're an anti-vaxxer. You end up dead. That's where you belong. Ha, ha, ha. And you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) We're not. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm in trouble then because nothing makes me happier than when some broadcast asshole, you know, who's an anti-vax guy dies. I just think that's, well, that's what's supposed to happen. And again, it's just so exasperating. You still hear it. Oh, yeah, you got the vax and people are still getting it. You still can pass it along. Why would I get the vax? <laughs> I love this, uh, these new characters right. you're doing. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, is, oh, are you getting, man. aren't these, I, I would think by now the anti-vax people, apparently there was a huge demonstration this weekend. I, I think yeah. by now, aren't they getting tired of it? But that's anti-mandate. It's, it's, I know. That's what those marches were. And it's like, you know what the mandates are they're talking about? Temporary measures like we have here in Ontario. So you bundle up, you get in the cold, you go to a rally, maybe you rent a hotel room and all that shit. For what? For these temporary measures that are meant, the spirit of which, are to just help us get through this, get yeah. to the other side of it. Like, you can't just play along for a while and just be... You know, yeah, it's frustrating. Like here in Ontario, I think we're a bit overboard right now, but I get the I get the I get the end game. You know? Yeah, I don't know where people get the energy, as you yeah. say, to get bundled up. I, I was mm. outside for ten minutes yesterday. That's about as yeah. much effort as I could give it. But so yeah. I just think by now they're just getting bored of it. That they just go, Well, you know, let's as you say, let's just push through it for another few months. But you know, and I'm reading it, the, their problem is, you know, passports to go in a restaurant and gyms and stuff like this. This is in, even in the United States. And it's, yeah, but these are temporary measures. Like, just play along for a couple more months, please. You can see the way this thing is plateauing. You can see how it's going down, how the uh, how the positivity rate is, is dropping almost dramatically. It's just, you know, just, just be a good citizen for a couple more months. That's yeah, all. I know. But they and, you know, and, 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 you know, I've been, you know, of course, in the States, it's just so layered. You know, there are literally people who are part of the anti-vax movement are in hospitals dying, being intubated on ventilators, still denying that it exists. I mean, that is some deep psychosis. That's some deep mm-hmm. cultish. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I've never met anybody personally that's been in a cult. I can't remember. We've interviewed somebody, but. But this is what being in a cult looks like. You just are in an alternate reality that it's pretty tough to talk you out of it to the point where you're dying of something and yet mm-hmm. you still deny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, my boy is in uh, Southern California right now working in... The, Your son? Yes. And he said, uh, like, it's... in California is one of the more sort of... Uh, well, they have a mask re- mandate there. Yeah, he said you wouldn't know it. Really? Eh? He said he was in a bar Saturday night, and to there, it, 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 you know, he said it's just not a thing. He said you see the odd person with a mask. And he said he was talking to people Saturday night, and it sort of came up about, what's going up there on up there in Canada? You're still sort of shut down, eh? And, oh, I know. Well, I was watching that game. Uh, did you see that game last night? Watching that game last night, mm-hmm. not only is this, are the stands packed with people in Kansas City, 
But all along the sidelines, everybody's standing next to each other and people are yelling and they're breathing into each other's faces. And here in you know Toronto, you can't go into a restaurant. Oh, but soon we'll be able to go in at 50% capacity. And I think to myself, I'm watching this. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. do we have it wrong? Well, here's the thing. And, I, you know, I'm frustrated like anybody else. And I think it's a, a lot of it's bureaucratic now, like. Uh, our politicians are afraid to move too fast just in case something goes wrong, which you can understand. But in the states, the sensibilities are different. Like in New York State, you know, a Democratic state where they sort of have, you would think, the same sensibilities. But they've decided, they decided through Omicron that, no, life has to go on and we cannot put any more people out of business. So we are going to proceed. And you know what? Their results aren't a lot different than ours. Well, look at the UK. Boris Johnson has just finally said, well, yeah. this is, we're done with this now. Everyone can just do whatever they want. No masks, no anything. And you can't help but notice that. And, uh, you know, it's dropping in New York State. The last I looked like anything else. So, um, yeah, there's frustrations here, but I guess we just got to live with it a little while longer. Uh, we're going to switch gears here now in a second. Andrew Gregg is a documentary filmmaker. Andrew's our guest, and we're going to talk to uh, him in a second here about the documentary he's making. Let's uh, just get him settled here in the uh, Humble and Fred uh, Zoom room. Andrew Gregg will be our... Andrew, just hang on one second. Andrew's our Gig Sky guest of the day. Yes, you know, Gig Sky's latest service offering includes mobile data while flying. When traveling on selected airlines and routes, you can get mobile data. Go to gigsky.com slash aeromobile to see the list of partner airlines, okay? And Gig Sky just launched their travel rewards program. Go to the Gig Sky app or sign into your account at gigsky.com to check out the program. And please remember, all Gig Sky data plans are prepaid with no contracts or recurring fees. You get Get what you pay for and your service is never throttled. And download the GigSky app today. Enter code HF2021 for... F- Ooh, 2021 still, even though it's 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, for $5 off your first plan. Or visit GigSky.com for more information. And uh, quickly, before we get to our guest today, very fascinating, Andrew Gregg. Uh, but first, let's tell you that the... Uh Humble and Fred Endure, makers of the world's most comfortable pants, present the world's most comfortable Valentine's Contest. All you got to do is use the phrase love pants in the comments on Facebook. Uh, just go to our Facebook page. Go ahead. We'll, we'll automatically enter you. Just put that comment in the uh, in the comments there. Uh, you can win a weekly prize of a pair of pants, and you'll be eligible for the grand prize of pants and lots of other stuff. Enter as many times as you want. And don't forget to use the promo code. When you're buying Doer Pants, and you should be, use the promo code LOVEPANTS at doer.ca for 15% off at checkout. That's LOVEPANTS at doer.ca for 15% off at checkout. I know Andrew Gregg's like, hey, wait a second. Isn't it time to talk about my documentary? Yes, it is. Andrew, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Well, every day's a gift. Um, it's interesting <laughs> what you've done. Uh, it's called Sky Master Down. It's a, a documentary about a fascinating uh, aviation accident that happened years ago. First, tell us about this and why, why should we be uh, concerned about something that happened so long ago in the Yukon? I think um, what the, the basic story is, um, this was a United States Air Force troop, troop plane that was flying from Anchorage, Alaska, uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base at Anchorage, Alaska, down to Great Falls, Montana with 44 people on board. 
And as it entered uh, Yukon airspace, it was radioing in on its regularly scheduled check-ins, and they said everything was fine, and then they disappeared. And uh, not a rivet has been found since. And why should we care? I think the point of the story is that, um, well, there's a bunch of points to the story, but the main, the main thing is that we, in the film, we have a lot of families 72 years later that are still wondering what happened. They don't have any closure. And I think that's what we wanted to do was, was look at it from their perspective and also the perspective of a small group of Yukoners that are still out looking for the plane. But the U.S. military and the government basically gave up years ago. Mm-hmm. They haven't been searching at all. So uh, it's, it's, it's a story of a, a, a small group of people up north who are still looking and the families that are still waiting. Yeah, I was reading some of the background that our producer sent us. And uh, number one, a plane this size in that territory, this would never happen nowadays because they could pinpoint the location. Uh, This one is wild because there's a story that some indigenous people heard a bang, heard a crash in some vicinity, but they haven't even bothered to look in that area. What happened? Uh, that was a, that was a trapper named Albert Isaac, and he okay. was out. Um, out. He actually had been out on his trap line when this whole incident happened, so he wasn't even aware that a plane was missing. When he came in from his trap line, he went on the RCMP and said he'd heard this giant crash along Gladstone Creek, and um, saw signs of a massive snowslide, and there were scavenger birds in the trees. The RCMP did fly out in a, in a small plane and circle the area, but they never landed. Um, so there was never a ground search for it. Um, incidentally, that area now is heavily mined for gold. Um, and the gold mining family through that area has never seen any sign of a wreck. So that's the only sort of recovery information we have is this family out of the creeks. Um, it's interesting. It's when, you, when I first saw the title of it, Skymaster Down, I was thinking, wait a second, isn't Skymaster a uh, Cessna? Mm-hmm. But it, it turns out it's a Douglas C-54 Skymaster. Yeah, a, uh, so that's the military version of a DC-4. Right. Yeah. And the Cessna Skymaster um, is a completely, it's a twin. And uh, I, 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 there's still some around. Oh, yeah. But this uh, plane that went down, they don't fly that anymore. That four-engine four prop plane. There's one flying... Um, there's one C-54 in the States that's been restored to commemorate the Berlin Airlift. Then there's a couple of DC-4s flying uh, fuel transport in Alaska. So they're still, <laughs> still wow. out there. That is, <laughs> they, we, I, I don't think we actually gave the date yet. It was 1950. Right? Yes. January, January 26, 1950. Um, yeah. The intriguing part of this, too, is where the vicinity of where it went down is there spring and summer thaw or is it always snow covered oh no it's a spring and spring and uh certainly a, uh, a thaw on the ground the question comes when you get up into the mountains right um and you know there's different schools of thought by right? different people have opinions on where they think the plane went personally i tend to think it, it flew into the mountains uh those nine of the ten tallest uh nine of the 10 tallest mountains in north america are all in the saint elias range in kalani national park right there and uh that area a lot of the time it does thaw not the glaciers but the snow mm-hmm. but the last couple of years there's been more interest in that area um the last couple of years there's been so much snowfall that it hasn't melted in the summer um, i was just gonna say this this might ultimately be a global warming discovery but you're, you're saying the opposite right now <laughs> 
uh, with the snow, but uh, yeah. glaciers, regardless of the snow, the glaciers are melting. And okay. um, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing uh, triggered a snow slide when it hit a mountain and, and was incorporated into a glacier. Um, and that, it, oh. that because that's happened with some other planes that went down around the same time in Alaska. Very mm. planes. Um, they they ended up inside glaciers, and then not until one of them started melting out in 2012. Um, and then when that happens, they can start to get at it and start to look for human remains. Skymaster, I'm sorry, uh, Andrew. Skymaster Down is a, a documentary. Our friend uh, Andrew Gregg is here talking about it. January 28th on the Documentary Channel at nine o'clock. You can watch this if you're downloading the show today. That'll be uh, the Monday that's coming up. How? Just give us some perspective. You know, it's forty-four people on a plane. It's a it's a military transport. These are pretty. This isn't some you know general aviation you know boob that got you know stuck in weather they couldn't handle. Do you in the documentary? Do you talk about the type of the weather that day? And and also answer the second part of this question, which is how far from uh, their destination were they when they went down or lost contact? It was an eight and a half hour flight and they were barely an hour in. So the way it worked then, it was pre-radar. Um, every hundred miles on the ground, they set up radio outposts that were manned and uh, they had to check in um, every half hour or every hundred miles um, to say, you know, we're fine. We're, we're at our cruising altitude. Everything is fine. So they, the first one that they came to uh, in the Yukon was a little place called Snag, which is now abandoned. And in the film, we actually have a radio operator who's still alive. Um, he's in uh, Ottawa. He's 94. But he was there that day. So um, it was fantastic to get a, get a person, you know, a, a point of view of somebody that was actually there on the ground. Um, but back to the, 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 the crew, there was a crew of seven, and they were military, a military aviation crew, but they were based in El Paso. And they hadn't done a lot of northern flying, um, you know, right from the time the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor and Alaska became a front in the war. There was a scramble to get more and more uh, planes and people and munitions and everything up to Alaska. So these planes were coming and going all the time. And this was heavily, heavily used. So this this even though they were a southern crew. The rules were pretty strict. They were literally following a highway through the sky mm-hmm. with Beijing route. And, um, you know, all these other planes, there were several planes that flew it that day. So why this one? So it wasn't uh, weather. It was a clear day. It was yep. cold, but it was clear. Um, and they said they had a little, the last message said they had a little bit of ice on their wing, but nothing to be concerned about. But I think whatever happened, happened very quickly because uh, there was no radio contact and there was no SOS. There was nothing. No mayday, yeah. All of a sudden, it was gone. Well, that's a clue, Andrew. Just let me step in quickly, because ice on wings, as they in aviation, there's a saying that any ice on a wing turns every airplane into an experiment. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, because, because depending on the kind of de-ice, and they wouldn't have had, you know, the kind of de-icing equipment they have now, but depending on how much and how fast the flow over those wings turns it into a you know you never know what's gonna what's gonna be the tipping point so to speak exactly you could send it into a stall yep they didn't have de-icing but what they had were these things are you a pilot i am by the way andrew here's how you know you have a pilot at your party oh don't worry he'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) they had uh what they were called uh boots yes on the leading edge of the wings the little uh the rubber rubber boots they blow it off yeah 
So, but the, they were tricky too. You had to wait till the ice had built up to a certain thickness yeah. before you gauge them. Um, so nobody knows whether they activated the boots or not. What that is, Fred, is like a rubber bladder. And it's sort of just all you do is you sort of shoot sort of air into it and it expands and it pops ice off. Um, flying into ice, anything other. That's why jets fly where they fly. They want to fly above that kind of weather, mm. even though they have great de-icing. Another uh, mystery here is that if it hit the mountain and exploded, there maybe some kind of debris would have been found. But there's been like zero debris as well. Right? Well, I'll go back. I'll go back to the the, the Alaskan crashes that, that that are so similar to this. Yeah. Um, they were going full speed when they hit the mountains that they hit. Um, it's actually called. Well, Howard will know this is called a controlled flight into terrain. Yes. Um, and and what happened with those Alaskan planes is that they were reduced to little bitty pieces, okay. not just not just the fuselage, but everything inside. Um, there's a woman I've talked to whose grandfather was on one of those planes and they, uh, identified him through DNA from a single tooth. Wow. Um, so I think what, if it is up in the mountains where I, I think it is, um, the, then it, it, it probably was the same fate. Um, and an interesting, interesting little story. It's not in the film, but while we were up filming in the Yukon in 2020, um, there were heavy, uh, COVID protocols. And we had to isolate for two weeks. This American airplane wreck hunter, who's kind of got a lot of success finding World War II wrecks in the Himalayas, he somehow got into the Yukon and got around the COVID checkpoints. And then he went uh, down to southwest Yukon and went up the side of a mountain in the St. Elias Range into, into Kluwani National Park. He didn't have a, a permit. Um, and he went 7,000 feet up the mountain and found a bunch of uh, scraps of aluminum that are very clearly from an airplane. Mm. Um, nobody's and he that he left and he posted pictures on his website everybody that's been trying to get in touch with this guy including me and the rcmp uh he's just doesn't want to be cooperative but that's the biggest clue and we're hoping that it can lead to a part two but it just means somebody has to get up there and see if there's a serial number on any of these parts right if it went into a glacier i mean a lot of stuff could be nicely preserved could be or it could also be ground up yeah. yeah, I was going to say that. You know, a plane that size, you know, dropping out of the sky, there wouldn't be a whole lot left. Although there's an in, yeah. uh, there's so many interesting aspects of this, not the least of which that never. I love it says it says you're never officially asked to join the search of the planes were the First Nations people who inhabit that area. Tell that story about some of the people that probably could have helped but were never asked to. Well, I, it, it's part of a it's part of a larger failure. Um, the there wasn't um, the, there wasn't sort of prescribed search and rescue techniques at this point. So the, the the search for the plane that started the next day was the largest search and rescue operation that the United States Air Force has ever done in North America. Um, but what they did is they just threw more planes at it and more people at it. Right. And if they got a report to the north that there was something, they'd fly up there. And if they got a report to the east, there was something, they'd fly over there. And they're flying in, in C-47s or DC-3s and C-54s, which have little porthole windows that tend to, fall, you know, to ice up and low-slung wings. So as you're looking out, you really can't see the ground. So, you know, the, the whole search right from the get-go was just a mess. And the fact that, you know, that they didn't think to ask the First Nations people actually doesn't surprise me very much. Mm. But we talked, I mentioned Albert Isaac, uh, we mentioned Albert Isaac a few minutes ago, the trapper that came in. Um, we have his granddaughter in the film. 
And she actually talks about this, that if they'd only come to them, they would have gone out on foot. These are people that know that territory better than anybody else. And they probably would have had a lot more success. They would have known where to go. Um, Flying over in big airplanes with little windows and low slung wings just wasn't going to cut it. Yeah, and I find it um, uh, surprising that the U.S. government or military would give up as well doesn't seem to be the spirit of what they're all about if you know no and in in the accident report it says that you know we're going to uh cut this short because of uh weather and there was another plane crash they had to go and attend to Mm -hmm. um but in the accident report it suggests that they come back when the weather's better and they never did Hmm. and this is this is the thing that kind of is vexing is that the families don't know that right the families just assume that all these years later they're still looking and they're not they haven't been looking at all um, and it's the same with these other planes in Alaska. They, if it's a domestic crash, the military doesn't feel obligated to go and recover them. Wow. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, Skymaster down on the uh, documentary channel this Friday, January 28th at 9. Are you an aviation buff or was this just some, something else, uh, a subject that came up as a documentary and you're like, hey, this is interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think I was more of an aviation buff than I am now. My, my dad flew a tiger moth out of our cornfield. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's and, cool. uh, we were, we were members of the Canadian warplane heritage um, when, when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. So I've always had a thing for planes, but I, I would be a horrible pilot. I don't have the attention span. Well, you know, it's, I would tell you, I became a, I'm the last person I thought that could ever learn to fly, but this goes to show you that pretty much anyone can. I will tell you, in there's, maybe you know about Buffalo Airlines or Buffalo Airways oh, yeah. up in uh, Yellowknife. They're still flying DC-3s up and down yeah. the uh, the pass there. Uh, listen, my friend, thanks for taking some time with us. It's fascinating stuff. January 28th. I think I got it wrong a couple times. January 28th. Not January 26th. January 28th at 9 on the Documentary Channel. Andrew, I hope you've uh, enjoyed yourself. We've enjoyed meeting you. Thank you. This was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. All the best to you. Mm -hmm. Take care, guys. Oh, yeah, you take care, Andrew Gregg. (laughs) Very nice man. Yeah, that's that's funny. (laughs) There is a joke there. Yeah, how do you know you have a pilot at your party? Don't (laughs) worry, he'll tell you. How do you know you have a jet pilot at your party? It'll be the first thing he says. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there you go. That was interesting. So again, closure for the family, I guess, is just some indication of where it happened, and yeah, I guess any little tidbits they might get that is still in the ice. I think I got the dates mixed up because it happened January twenty sixth, nineteen fifty. Clearly, ten years before I was born, six before you were born. I guess some people still want closure, although part of my wondering is, you know, all these years later, who's left to care? Yeah, somebody, I guess. Uh, I often think, you know, these things, you know, in mountains and ice and, um, you know, Sasha Trudeau, who was snowboarding or skiing or whatever it was, and then you know, disappeared in the avalanche. I'm often thought, I want, you know, Justin must sit there and think, you know, my brother might be somewhere. Yep. Still totally preserved. Like yeah. the day he, like the day he died. And uh, that's got to play on you. Like just, you know, not knowing her. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's easy for us to say because we're not, mm-hmm. 
no relatives died that day. But yeah, yeah I imagine there's families wondering whatever happened to old Uncle Jim. Uh, Charlie, my daughter, is uh, in Alberta right now. Actually, she's in BC near a, a place called Revelstoke, BC. And she sent me a picture Saturday afternoon, evening, where they were stuck for about an hour waiting for them to, to detonate some snow that was in an avalanche zone. Oh, right. But she sent cool. me some pictures. Wow. You know, we really are. You know, you live here in Ontario. If you've never been to BC or Alberta, you know, it's just mm-hmm. someplace out there. But mm-hmm. the pictures she sent back, we really, it's pretty stunning, this country. I know that sounds stupid, but like, I was just looking at the pictures she's been sending me the last couple of days. You know, it's some beautiful, it's really beautiful parts of this land that we live in, you know, that most people don't get a chance to visit. You know, our friend Fred Ball. Fred Ball. Well, his son, Andrew, left to go work out there years ago. Yeah. And he's like a, a, a groomer, sloper, drives all the big machinery in the mountains. Yeah. And I said to Fred not long ago, I said, would he ever come home? He goes, no. He said, we'll retire out there before he would ever come home. It's funny He's you just say love that. It. It's, it's just part of him now. You know, mm-hmm. this is her second winter doing this because for you people who don't know, my daughter works for a company in the States, but she, because of COVID and such, she goes, she goes on a computer every day. It doesn't matter where it is. This is her second winter out there. And you won't remember this, but when she graduated university, she wanted to go live in BC. She loves snowboarding. She loves the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I had that thought when she sent me the pictures this last couple of days. I thought, you know what? There's a part of me that just feels like she's going to end up living there because she just loves it. And not in a big city. I mean, she loves the small little, the Canmores and the Revelstokes and the, you know, even Kelowna and such like that. She just loves mm-hmm. that vibe mm-hmm. more so than the New York vibe. Yes. Yes. Um, listen, moving on right now. Hi guys. There's a, just a quick email. It's actually a question, and I thought we should answer it. Where is it? Please settle an argument for me. Hi, guys, says Scott Shield. As two Beatles lovers, I got two questions for you, too, and I'm hoping you can help me out. I've started watching Get Back on Disney, and their opening riff to... And the opening riff to I've Got a Feeling reminded me of the opening riff of Elvis Presley's Suspicious Minds. Hmm. I've never thought of it. I, I mean, we could do it now, but, uh, you, you know, you go do that yourself. <laughs> uh, secondly, he goes on to say, I found the, I have originally found the idea to speed up I've Got a Feeling from a website. It suggests that songs sound better when played at 1.25 the speed after trying that with, anyway, it doesn't matter. He goes on to explain it. But this is the part I love. He says, P.S. I was in a bit of a foul mood the other day, and I guess I was being a bit grumpy around the house. Happens to us all. I was doing chores later while wearing my AirPods and listening to your podcast. My wife stops me and says, are you listening to Humble and Fred? To which I say, yes. How did you know? She says, that's the first time I've seen you smile all day. Thank you. Thanks for the great shows and keep us all smiling. We're therapeutic. What do you think of that? Like Ivermectin. We're therapeutic. (laughs) Like Iver. Oh, that's right. Didn't we work with a guy named Ivermectin? (laughs) Wasn't that a nice thing? (laughs) As far as the songs, I don't really know. I've got a feeling suspicious minds, but, you know, he thinks it's a coincidence. I just wanted to mention that Scott Shields thought Mm -hmm. that uh, his his wife thinks that he's in a good mood when listening to Humble and Fred. 
That's fantastic. It is fantastic. Really, that is that's uh, nice to hear stuff like that. You know, to know you're having an impact is quite uh, you know satisfying. Uh, by the way, Mike Boone went to all the trouble. Did you hear this? Yes. Um, we should have played this earlier. <laughs> we should talk about some dead guys. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> Like we that. should talk about some dead guys. I love the fact somebody even more tone deaf than me. But uh, Boone thought we should talk about some dead guys. We already did Louis Anderson, Meatloaf. But the final dead guy from the weekend, I'm not exactly sure when he passed away. It might have been Friday, Saturday. Uh, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Clark Gillies was a New York Islander, was captain of the Islanders for a couple of years, but mm-hmm. won four Stanley Cups in the late 70s. It was, the, it was for you people who don't remember, it was the dynasty just before the Oilers. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Oilers even lost to the Islanders yes. the year before they won the Stanley Cup. Yep. yep. Okay. You are correct. It was also a time in my life when I watched a lot more hockey than I do now, and I was aware of them. And, of course, I, I have a personal connection because Clark Gillies grew up in my hometown of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Five years older than me, but as I wrote on my little post about it the other day, when you live in a place like Moose Jaw, somebody who you know is going to the NHL is a huge deal. Like, he was a big star to me. Even though he was, when I was... You know, 12, 13, 14, working at the golf course. I used to clean clubs. He was around all the time. I looked up to him. Like, he was playing mm-hmm. for the Regina Pats, which were the WHL team. At that time, mm-hmm. Musha didn't have a major junior hockey league team. So, like, I, don't know, I don't know if you know this part of the story. My dad took me to Regina to watch Clark play because it was, like, pretty mm-hmm. big deal to me. Mm-hmm. So I was around all the time when I was a kid. Then I got a little bit older, and he was a big... There's about him and a bunch of guys played golf. They were older than me, good players. And when I got a little older and got better, he asked me to play in the group with them from time to time. It was a big thrill for me. And again, I got to be about 15 years old, and I was a, you know close to a scratch golfer, so I could hold my own with these guys. And Gillies had a fundraiser charity event for the Regina Pats in Regina and said, hey, do you want a caddy for me? I'm like, sure. Be kind of cool. There'd be some NHL guys there. It was a big deal for me. But I'm 15 years old. And by the way, too, I'm also this height. I've been this height since I was 14, 5'11". So I looked like I was older than I was, I guess. And he never really knew how old I was. So he picks me up one Sunday morning at my parents' place and he's hung over. And I I don't know if, if he's driving a Mustang or a sports car, but it was a car I'd never... My parents didn't drive. So he said to me, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to sort of close my eyes. Here, you drive. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thinking like at that time, mm-hmm. if you had a learner's permit, you could drive with an adult driver. Mm-hmm. I just thought, mm-hmm. okay. But I had never driven on the highway before. Oh. And so I knew how to, I got us, I got us to the highway and he was sort of closing his eyes and I'm driving this car. But I'm driving along the Trans-Canada. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just mm-hmm. sort of meandering around. I'm change- I don't know how to change lanes. I've never gone wow. that fast. And he kind of, after a few minutes, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? I go, I don't know. <laughs> he, goes, how old? he goes, how old are you? I go, 15. He goes, pull over. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what did you tell me? I go, I don't know. I wanted to drive your car. I thought you, I thought you knew. 
Anyway, that's my Clark Gilly story. But uh, that, and it was, I always remember that because the very first time I ever drove on the highway was with him. And for, you know, a few years after when I would come home and visit my parents and he would see me, he always used to give me, he always chirped me like, hey, are you legal to drive yet? <laughs> but I felt sad yeah, that's when great. I, I, I will say this, I felt sad when I heard he died for a lot of reasons. You know, I, again, you know, I think about my childhood and my, he used to come to my dad's store and they all would talk golf and such. But also, you know, first of all, 67 is pretty, it's pretty young. It's very young. I, you know, it's younger than my older brother. Same age, you know, similar age to my other brother. It's like, you know, people die in their 60s now. Apparently, that's like the new thing. Did they give a, a cause cancer. of death? Yeah, oh, cancer. Oh, was cancer. Yeah, I think so, oh. yeah. But I'll say what? this. Like, I know you grew up in Toronto and, you know, the Leafs are a big deal. And But in, in a town like Moose Jaw, somebody playing... For like somebody going to the NHL, I just remember all of us thinking mm-hmm. that was the coolest th- thing, right? Right, right, yeah. No, that's a great story, and uh, yeah, that's young, sixty-seven. Like yeah, goodness. man, it gives me the creeps. Well, it is, and, and I will always say one of the things that impressed me about him, even then, and I, I wrote this, is that he was always so good to, to people, mm-hmm. like. I mean, I was nobody. I was just cleaning the golf clubs. But he watched me kind of get better and, you know, mm-hmm. knew I was good. And, and we started, I started playing this group. There were probably like three or four foursomes that played with, you know, decent players. And he got me into these groups. And I always thought that was cool. I will tell you one thing. I probably told you this, too. He was a very good baseball player, a very good hockey player, obviously, and a pretty decent golfer. All-around good athlete. His brother, Doug who I, I was talking to my one brother. I'm not even sure he's still alive, but his brother, who was similar age to him, better hockey player, way better baseball player, much better golfer, just never had the drive. Hmm. Like, the, of, like people tell me, and I remember this from growing up, that of the two boys, Doug was the better hmm. athlete by far. Hmm. But Clark was just one of those guys that just, I guess that's what, that's what, that's how you make it. You just want it more than most people. Well, you know, that's what they say. In the end, it's between the ears, isn't it? It really is. He had a pretty good yep. career, Clark Gillies. 319 goals, 378 assists, and 958 NHL games. 47 goals, 47 assists, and 164 Stanley Cup playoff games. That's pretty decent. You know, a guy scoring uh, you know, that many points in an NHL career is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, you know, and that was an era in the NHL. I think in a 15-year span, three teams won the Stanley Cup because you had the, well, you had the Habs dynasty of five years, and then you had the Oilers, or, or the then Islanders. the Islanders yeah, yeah, yeah. for about four years, and then, the, and then the Oilers won like five of the next six or four of the next five. So it, it, unless you were from those towns, it was a bit tedious at times. No, exactly. But, uh, can you imagine, you know, that's your hometown winning four in a row or, or like the Habs a couple of times winning five in a row. Wow. And in the mid 70s, there was like, wasn't there a couple years where the Flyers won it? Did the uh, Flyers ever once, win it? I believe. I just think once. Okay. Just, you know what? I could be no, wrong. No, I could be wrong. I, I just was, when you said mm-hmm. the other team, the first thing I thought is maybe maybe the Flyers oh, won. Oh, the Habs had that in the early 70s, that run. Yeah. And- Starting with uh, the uh, Dryden years. Mm-hmm. Islanders retired Gillies uh, number nine at the Coliseum 
on December 7th. Is the, Na- is the Nassau Coliseum even there anymore? Probably not. Yeah, but they don't play. They play in that uh, new rink in Belmont Park. Gillies was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2002. Mm-hmm. As I wrote, you know, it's funny. Golf has been a big part of my life for, obviously, for a long time. And it's just one of those things where, and, and you've, you've spoken about this too. It, being involved in that game has, involved, has opened so many weird doors for me. Oh, absolutely. The people that I've got to meet and the people that I've interacted with. But being decent at it. Being good at it, it's it's a, a whole other weird level that's opened up for me. You know, they what, what do they say? Like uh, Spanish is the international language of commerce. Okay, uh, I think golf is the international uh, <laughs> uh, sport of commerce. I really do. Yes, because that that is. I, I've told you that's why above anything else, and I wish I'd have done it more with Danny. Although he's into golf now. But that's why I want to get uh, Johnny Slapshot involved in the game because I, I've seen, you know, in radio it's a bit different with all the tournaments and everything. But the the fact that you can use that as an excuse to socialize, communicate, yes. network is very, very, very important. It, it's brilliant for that. Oh no, it's a and it's a powerful thing. And I can tell you, you know, I've mm-hmm. met some famous people mm-hmm. through golf and. One of the things that just came to mind is I got a, I got a chance to play with Stephen Van Zant from the E Street Band and mm-hmm. the Sopranos, and we it was a contest. I guess I can't remember. I guess you had gone, or do you remember this? Was that the mix? Oh, I don't know. I can't I remember, remember where I was. We had a contest to play a round of golf with me and Stephen Van Zant and a couple of listeners, and uh-huh. Stephen Van Zant, who is a golf nut. Playing with me at the time again, I was you know close to scratch. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to ask him about was playing with Bruce Springsteen, and all he wanted to talk to me about was how I could hit a golf ball the way I did. You know what I mean? Like it was a weird. Like I would have nothing in common with this guy, but for five hours we got to talk about this thing, as you say, this sort of international denominator that brings people together. Because he was fascinated yeah. by golf. Hmm. Um. As Dan Duran is. Dan, are you ready? Yeah, sure, I'm ready. Look at I'm you. Standing by. Always Hello, standing by. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm pretty ready, yeah. Well, you could have, you know, been ready. I got, we, got, we have a couple people. We're going to do some good charity work here in a second. That Are you really? Yeah, okay. we're going to do that. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you watch any of the Buffalo game last night? Didn't even know it was on. There you go. <laughs> But I so, looked it up when you guys started talking about it, and it seems so, uh, that overtime rule, I think, should They go. wouldn't mention that on CBC Radio or on the, CBC, <laughs> or, oh, on the C- on or on the CBC webpage like, uh, or news feed. Like, I, I'm surprised. I see what you're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Hmm. I, didn't, I didn't find any of that information on CBC. I don't even know where I found it. But I'm, so, I'm, I now feel badly that I missed the game because it was so exciting, apparently. You know what? It, you would have enjoyed ever. it. I, I don't yeah. feel badly because, like, honestly, if it hadn't been a playoff game, mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn on a, a – I, I like the Bills, but I don't like them enough to watch a regular season game. It takes a long time to watch those kind of games. Well, kind of dedicate not, your uh, Dedicate your day to stuff like that, don't you? Well, so what was it? Yeah. What, what was that? It, was, it started at 6.30. It was over at 10.00. 
Uh, so, and that was uh, because of the overtime, but yeah. Well, it's like anything else. If you have an interest in it, then uh, you know. Yeah, but let me ask you: if you, were, if you were still doing mornings in people, I would have watched it. I would have been aware. And you would have been aware. I, I know you would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yes, yeah, so you would have to reference it. Yes, of course. And by the way, the thank you uh, for your well wishes. I, the very first text I got this morning was from Dan Daru. Well, it is a big day having a birthday. Mm-hmm. You'll have to decide whether you want the birthday, you want to acknowledge it or not. Are you, uh, what are you, Howard, 62? This is my 62nd birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're 62 and 22. You'll be 63 and 23. That's the way it works for you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. What will you be in uh, 26? How old will you be? What? How old will you be in 26? Quick. 66. Oh, okay. Quick. You stumped me. Oh, uh, I so wanted to stump you on that one. 42. Um, Dan, as yes. luck would have it, our guests that we're about to do some charity work have uh, yes. arrived. Oh, so charity work, yeah. If you okay. would indulge us, maybe you could come back and pop in after with the Dan Duran news. Certainly. We'll do that. We'll talk about a little bit about Ukraine, what's going on there. Yeah, I'm yeah, so man, scared. I well, I, yeah. I, it's funny you say that because I wrote down like, okay, so this pandemic is segueing nicely into World War Three. <laughs> it's, exactly, like, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. well, I guess now that the pandemic's starting to get boring, what else could we throw on the earth? Mm. It's a weird day when your son comes to me, comes to me and says, well, uh, what, what do you think the odds are we're going to war? You know, so I, I gave it a 50-50 on the whole Ukraine thing. But. I don't think we'll be going to war. No, we won't. We'll, yeah. won't be well, that the three of us? War. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll I'm tell you sure what. Canada. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not volunteering. I don't. I don't think Canada would be involved in at that level. But we'll we'll see. Although that Putin, there's another we'll guy see. that that deserves some lead between the eyes. Okay. Well, well, here come our guests. So let's uh, let's get Dan to to come on back. All right. Dan Duran, we'll thank you for See you in a bit. We'll see you very shortly. Okay. Uh, first, we're going to talk to Christian Tan and Judah Cunningham. Uh, co-founders of something called the Instrumentors, which is a really cool thing here in the GTA. A buddy of mine, Steve Merrick, put us onto this, and you know he's been telling me about your organization, Christian and Judah. Welcome to the program, Judah. Turn your uh, camera on if you want. There we go. Mm. Hello, fellas. Hello. Hello, how are you? Well, this has got to be Good. just a, we're great. This has got to be odd for you two because, you know, your organization said, yeah, we can get you some publicity with these two old uh, fellas. <laughs> you have no, obviously, you don't know who we are, but we're happy to have you on the show. Oh, we're happy to so be much. here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's amazing. Well, tell well, us about your organization. Yeah, it's amazing what you guys do. So uh, a little bit of a backstory before we get into it. So Chris and I, we met in college. Um, we we're both child and youth workers. We went to George Brown and um, we both became friends over our love of music. And throughout our college experience, uh, it turns out we were always incorporating some sort of music education in all the young people and the youth that we had worked with throughout our careers. And then during the pandemic, 
Chris and I, we got together and, uh, you know, we, we realized how much music has been intertwined in our careers. And we just thought, you know what, why don't we start something that's our own and something that could really have a positive impact on young people. So that's where instrumentors came from. Um, so we use a two prong approach to really amalgamate music education and uh, just mentorship. So really we want to just eliminate barriers to music education. Um, and that is just trying to bring music to young people uh, as low barrier as possible. Nice. And there's instruments involved, which um, can be challenging. Sure. That was one of our biggest um, one of our biggest barriers initially when we we're thinking about it, because we want to give like the free lessons plus the free instruments. So initially we're just like, OK, you know, if we're going to have like two people, two youth um, participating in the program, we're just like, OK, we need to buy two guitars. And that's like, what, 300 bucks. Right. So we were kind of scrambling. However, we were like so lucky to have the opportunity to connect with an amazing charity called Guitars for Kids Toronto. And they've been helping us in terms of like the instruments and they have been phenomenal working with. Um, well, my contact, uh, my friend Steve, who's a, a fine musician, a very talented, uh, you know, guitar player and singer, he says, you know, it's true. I have an old guitar around here. You know, they, a lot of people have guitars. They've bought it for their kids years ago. And I'm not saying everyone does, but a lot of people do. And part of the uh, the deal with the instrumentors, uh, if you want to find out more, instrumentors.net, is, Judy, you guys are looking for people to donate guitars. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so basically what, what it is that we do is we run a 10-week program that's free where a young person between the ages of 8 and 18 can get a free guitar and 10 weeks of free guitar lessons, right? So that's why we need the community to get involved. And so they can donate us guitars. Um, guitars for Kids has been really, really helpful. And really, we want to eliminate barriers to music education. So these are kids who really, really have a burning passion to learn music and to play guitar but for whatever reason, they, they don't have access to a good working instrument. And just mm -hmm. like you said, there are lots of people who start playing guitar or they get rid of it. Um, but another reason why we started this is the flip side is that there's tons of musicians out there who gigged in bands, who have all this great knowledge and experience. And, you know, uh, they would love to be a mentor and a teacher, just like Chris and myself. So um, it's really a two way street, right? We have these people who would just love to give back and they have this gift guitar playing music and then we have people who have a burning passion to learn and and don't have access so we're really just bridging two amazing worlds together and just really creating something special and how do you bring everybody together then what what would the process be i want to teach and there's a kid out there who wants to learn oh that's a great question so um we really just look for people who um are you don't necessarily need to have like a classic musical background knowledge. Um, you just need to, you know, have some experience and, and a burning passion to, to teach and to be a mentor and a leader. So we just conduct a, an interview with our mentors and we really see if it's a good fit. And then as on the, the other side, um, we don't do any extremely vetting processes when we're looking for kids to join our program because that would also be another barrier. So mm -hmm. uh, right. we're really just looking for people who are coming from, uh, we prioritize people coming from a low income uh, families um, again we're not really checking people's bank accounts or anything that crazy but people who typically don't have access to the uh, program and, or instruments and they're interested 
Uh, those are the ones who we, we kind of seek out. And we do that through various Facebook groups and charity organizations, not-for-profit organizations and stuff like that. So we really do need a lot of help for this program. And I would like to say that like, there's been a tremendous amount of support coming in and people that are able to help us and help us make those connections and, and really find kids who really, really want to do the program. Well, it sounds amazing, Judah. And Christian, just quickly at the uh, before we wrap up, it, it's it's funny what, a, what playing an instrument can do for a kid kid you know it it opens up so much and you never know like you know that person who might not have had an opportunity to learn a little bit of guitar you you never know what spark that ignites in somebody Mm -hmm. Mm, exactly um yeah so we do want to bring like the therapeutic uh qualities of music to all the young people like myself and judo um music has been such a big like positive factor in our lives like you know using it to cope, using it to connect with people, with friends. That's how, you know, growing up, um, you know, finding yourself in music. Well, listen, you two, thanks for uh, taking some time with us this morning. Uh, Instrumentors.net is how you find out more. Go look at the website. I love what it says. Eliminating the barriers to music education. You two are doing great work. Thanks for stopping by and telling us about it. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool, isn't it? (laughs) You're fine young fellas. We appreciate it, Christian and Judah. Take care, my friends. (laughs) See you later. All right. You know who's also a... I'm sorry. You know who's also what? A fine fella. Huh? Who? The retirement Sherpa. Yeah, man. Jim uh, Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Again, look at uh, we're almost to February. That's a nice thought. Hey, Groundhog Day is what next week? Ooh, love Groundhog Day. Ooh, ooh, love Groundhog. Ooh, anyway, uh, February's a big month. Uh, <laughs> is Groundhog Day one of your favorites, Freddie? Oh yeah, it oh. gives you whole power. It, it gives sure you hope. does. Um. Anyway, February is a big month, you know, for, you know, your financial affairs when it comes to RSP and putting things in place. You know what the routine is. There's deadlines and crap. Tim Niblett's the type of guy that will help you stay on top of that and to strategize what you do with those RSPs and how it uh, plays a part in personal wealth. Again, so many Humble and Fred listeners have uh, reached out to Tim. The results have been fantastic. Whether you have a portfolio existing, a second look, or you want to start from from scratch, Tim's your guy. He's Tim Niblett. He's the Retirement Sherpa. RetirementSherpa.ca Well, I know Dan Duran loves to take the edge off with a little THC, a little TLC for the Dan Duran man. Uh, if you're it's like a nice uh, thing to do on a weekend, yeah. Oh, it's a, I think it's a great thing to do every goddamn day, Dan. Don't pretend you don't. Uh, if you're looking for unbeatable prices, unbeatable selection, and the highest THC for less, I go to Canacabana where you'll find it. It really is something else. I had somebody ask me what a dab rig was the other day. I'm like, don't worry, it'll. It's a. It's a. It, it really is. It's another accessory that helps. You know. The medicine go down. Um, they're available. Vaporizers, bongs, uh, every kind of, you know, uh, accessory you would need. 70% off every day on that stuff at Canna Cabana, CannaCabana.com. Dried flower, vapes, edibles, concentrates, bongs, and more, all at unbeatable prices. Um, 
I didn't I didn't give you a piss report yet today, but uh, I'll tell you right now, the two of you need to talk amongst yourselves while I go take a leak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know what that's like. He just had that urgency. Yeah. It's like it can't wait. You know, there was a day when he wasn't 62 that he could have held that. He could have held that pee until the end of the show, but he can't it's just, anymore. It's uh, what do you think his pee uh, on his birthday pee is? You think it's number two, birthday pee number two, number three? Oh Christ, him! Yeah, probably half a dozen since he got. <laughs> I would say. See, in um, normal radio, we'd be playing the long songs, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would be uh, "Stairway to Heaven" or it would be uh, right. "Well, Bat Out of Hell." You know, no. the Paradise by the Dashboard Light. That song. But, but, but Dan, let's talk about you uh, quickly. I've had a report from the North Country that you've been uh, out on the lake making uh, snow sculptures or something, or. I'm uh, yes, uh, version two. Last year, I built a uh, a ice uh, well, a snow bar. Basically, it's made of snow. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing version two of the this year, and it's uh, it's uh, almost ready to be formed. I've piled it up and sort of shaped it a little bit. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to be. Uh, Putting the lights on and carving a little bit more—that's uh, that's on today's list. And then there's also uh, I, I I learned a, a new term uh, from passersby. I've never heard of the term uh, quince before, which All basically right. is a hollowed out pile of snow. But I plan on making a snow globe, a big you know round thing with a door in it, and then you go inside and hang out there in windier days and oh have a nice goodness. beverage Look or two. Oh, he's just like a child out there playing in the snow. <laughs> I thought Darren Jesus. told me you were out doing circles or something on the lake or something and taking pictures or well they kind of they're they look a little like crop circles because I used the uh, I did the pile in the middle and the easiest way to get a pile of snow going oh, is to around that pile and uh, I, I'm fascinated yeah. by the fact you've got all this I am time too, Howard I have all this time for snow globes and circles on the mm-hmm. ice and things don't you have to work <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> It's like a physical workout. It's another way of, uh, you know, keeping active. All right. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. A couple, an hour mm-hmm. a day, you know, it keeps the no, it's, it's uh, beautiful. winter doldrums away. Um, mm-hmm. Just quickly. The Piss Report. <laughs> the Piss Report. The Piss Report. And now with the Piss Report. Um, good news. Uh, the frequency is getting back to normal. The urgency uh, that 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 what just happened. I've drank so I drank a couple of glasses of water today, and I drank this coffee. But I went to my doctor, and uh, things are improving. The sting the stingy pee hole uh, is it, it, starting to get a little bit better, and I, now I'm on some antibiotics because. Um, yeah. My blood work came, my, my uh, chemical, I, I talked to you about this. The results of my, no, but I can't wait. Uh, the results of my <laughs> urine report, mm-hmm. fantastic. Everything was great. So obviously there's no prostate, prostate issues really. Uh, when I go, I just, like now I just went like a, like a kid. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, but the only the th- the the thing is and you know I'm, this may just hey you're 62 now yeah there was a day where you wouldn't have to leave the show to absolutely pee, right yep today yeah. you just left the show for a pee now is this because of your current problems or is this just your new life well i mean sharif said yeah as we all age you know your prostate is it's it's going to get us all at some point and yes maybe there's some 
definitely some urgency that I didn't have prior, but at least there's nothing, doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with my kidneys. There's nothing wrong with my, you know, I don't have, I may have a slight infection. So I'm going to be on some antibiotics for a couple of weeks, but yeah. But he also Excellent. said too, yeah, I'm drinking a, so much water these days and mm-hmm. you know, it's just hard to hold it. Did he indicate the distance between you and your birthday today and the day you'll have to start wearing diapers? He did not, Dan. Although I was hmm. thinking about you, like if you ever get any of these problems and you have to have a catheter, they're going to come into the examining room and go, we're going to need a bigger <laughs> catheter. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing they're going to say. Yeah. They we have to get the extendo. One. Yeah. Okay. What would they use? They probably there, There's no catheter that would work. No. They'd have to, no. They'd have to improvise. <laughs> they'd have to would use like a, like a milking machine. <laughs> <laughs> quick quick get the milking machine that's okay. hilarious all right now here's to a fella named dan duran a hell of a guy with a hella big wang the quintessential anchor man his voice is nice and low <gasps> dan duran the anchor man comes as for credentials he has none can't tell a headline from his bum but his voice is nice and low Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now from uh, Lakeside Taking a break from his real job Of making snow things (laughs) Here uh, Is Dan Duran A year ago, who would have thought that the Ukraine would be back on the brink? If you're into wars, there's hot zones like China and Taiwan, North Korea and the rest of the world and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, to name a few. But, But now Ukraine has just moved up that list. Russia has positioned about 100,000 troops. That's a lot of troops across the Ukrainian borders, along with, you know, their, their war toys, tanks and other heavy artillery. And uh, other people are getting a little nervous. So last uh, Wednesday, President Joe Biden said he actually expects uh, Putin to invade Ukraine, but that Russia would pay a dear price in lost lives and possible cutoff from the global banking system if he does. Canadian government also warned that Russia will impose severe sanctions on Russian officials. Today, Monday, NATO said it was putting forces on standby and reinforcing Eastern Europe with more ships and fighter jets. Britain and the U.S. are pulling staff from Ukrainian embassies, and the U.S. sent its first military aid shipment over there. And now is the best time for Russians to invade because it's winter. They have a word for uh, the season of bad roads, Rasputitsa. Rasputitsa. I think I got that right. Rasputitsa. Uh, fields get so muddy in the plains of Eastern Europe that tanks and heavy military gear gets bogged down. So that's why everybody's thinking it's going to happen now before spring. So I guess be prepared for news, new news graphics, new sounders and headlines all coming soon. Yeah, no kidding, man. Yeah. Now, who would have thought that you. we would be segueing into this now? And, you know, when you're talking U.S. and Russia, this is serious shit. And it just aggravates me because, again, we're in our 60s. If we all died tomorrow, you know, we could look back. We had a pretty decent life. It's all, you know, it's the it's our kids and their kids, kids. And it's like, like, what are you doing? Like, guys, get together and like fucking figure this out, because this is you know how that thing could escalate and what it could mean. Sure. 
to the world. Like that, uh, you know that uh, song by Sting, Russians? Do the Russians, Do the Russians love, love their, their children, too? Children, too. And it's like so... I mean that's a great song, and it, it's just it just brings what this is all about. It's come on, this could escalate out of fucking control. And oh no, I mean, about not, all the kids? I don't think it will. But I it, hope not. But it could. I, mean, I, I never appreciate. Know. Well, yeah, you never know. But I, first of all, I, I'm not ready. To, my run isn't over yet. Thanks. I'm not looking. I'm not ready to look back and go. Well, I had a good life. Sixty-two. <laughs> Either, well, I'm not either. But again, I don't care about me. I, I care about no, no, you because you do. You care more about the children and others. That's what you've always been about. I'm wonderful. You are. You, you know the work you do behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Way behind. You know, and it's very. No one. It goes unspoken. Here's that song, by the way. I love this yeah. song. Do the Russians not love their children the way you do? The way are there no? Where's Russian Fred? No, on a serious standpoint, it's just aggravating that just you know a few guys at the top can make the decisions for the masses. Yeah, you know when it gets back to you know Vietnam, uh, Vietnam, and dra- Vietnam draft dodgers saying you know I'm not going over there. I have no beef beef with the Viet Cong. Like, That's right, uh, Muhammad Ali. That's what he said. And that's what. So these guys at the top make these decisions that affect people that have nothing to do with this or don't care. Like, figure it out. And, you know, for the most part, like, I don't know a lot of Russians, but I can't imagine they're like, hey, let's go have a war with the Ukraine in winter and shitty roads. I don't need that. Like, I I said to Freddie, Dan, I was outside for 10 minutes yesterday. That's all you're going to. That's all them marching you'd get out of me if I was a Russian soldier. I'd be like, hey, let's go for marching on Ukraine. 10 minutes in, I'm like, my feet are cold. Oh, there's so many Russians hopping around there uh, along the border right now. You, to, to I think to Fred's point there that just anything could happen. Oh yeah, it could be just just like you know somebody you know pulls a trigger on something they didn't really mean to do, and then things you know either side when when you're getting so many military vehicles so close to the border there, it's, uh, just well, this could re- go bad. Reminds me of another song. One thing leads to another. You know, you could sit there and go, ah, shit, you know, yeah, it'll be fine. But again, this happens, that happens. And I love this, too. Let's do it in the winter where things get bogged down. Okay, Putin, you, you fucking go out there with a gun and boots. and Exactly, cold boots and you your asshole. fingers being. Yeah. yeah. Putin wouldn't walk his dog in this weather. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Is this from Fred's War playlist? Yes, this is. For, no, his, no, this is from Fred's every th- every song. Everything is a song playlist. Well, that's true, though, man. It's true, man. True. True. Mm-hmm. Um, true. You know, if you are going to be fighting the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Make sure you're wearing the health gauge. Yes, Phoenix. It will win the war. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We should send them to the Ukrainians. To the Ukraine. Uh, All joking aside, man, you want to keep track of your blood pressure, your oxygen saturation, your heart rate, your pulse wave velocity. You know, this whole thing is right there, man. Activity levels, calories burned. 
Healthgage.com is where you get the Phoenix. That's what we're wearing. And Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout. Pretty interesting, man. Being uh, Having access to this kind of technology. It's not expensive. It syncs up with your phone and you keep track of it. You set your alarms the way you want. Want to be notified when your temperature goes up or uh, when your blood pressure changes. It's all there. Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout. Healthgauge.com. So I just looked on the, uh, I have the Weather Network website up on my computer and I just saw that the red the red banner of doom is back oh, is it really? there we go yeah there's been a lot of that this month and apparently now the weather advisory is road conditions and are gonna get worse poor weather con- 15 10 to 15 centimeters uh poor weather conditions May snow, contribute is to snow squall stuff snow we about? happening oh. today. Uh, snow, light snow, few flurries. It's not getting any warmer there, too, man. It's like another day of minus 10. Feels like minus 20. Oh, look, it's January. I know. I know. I know. I know. You're Mr. Perspective. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Have you got a song for this, then? Yeah. Oh, January. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no there's a song oh yeah i've got a song this is his oh, theme song okay. sure <laughs> this will be his theme song <laughs> whose theme song yours this will oh. be yours this will be the fred patterson theme song you know i'm an asshole no I, uh, oh. some things in life are bad they can really make you made other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. Yeah. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Come on, Russians! <laughs> <laughs> always oh, look, look it's on January. the bright oh. side of this life. This is the Freddy Llama. <laughs> Seems yeah, I know. I said that to somebody the other day that, you know, we're so lucky here. I was talking to somebody from Western Canada out in Calgary, and they've had just, and it wasn't my brother's, it was somebody else. And they've just had brutal weather through December. I said, you know, we get spoiled here because there really isn't much winter before Christmas anymore. So, yeah, January, you've got three or four weeks of putting up with this. But I think we've become spoiled. I know. I just, and maybe it's age, too. I mean, I just don't have the energy to put up with it like I used to. No, I get it. You're right. And, uh, you know, we usually have a February thaw or, you know, as much of uh, February is livable as it's not. Well, to that point, I mean, I know your slap shot, golf shot, Johnny's now eight years old, but, you know, there's just a different capacity to, to, to enjoy cold when you're younger because your blood works. Rachel and I took Stan for a quick walk the other day. And we walked back here, and there was a kid who had to be four years old wearing a full-on snowsuit, laying face down in a snow pile. <laughs> I said, like, just laying there. Yeah, of like, course. Like, just laying there, sort of playing and sliding up and down this drift. And I said to Rachel, I said, that's, what, that's, that's the beauty of being four. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to get home. My hands are constantly cold. This kid's just laying there face down, just loving the snow. 
My son-in-law, Josh, makes a rink, and he's made another one this year in the backyard. Johnny slap shots on it all the time out there. It doesn't matter how cold it is. Yeah. And now they got a hot tub, so he goes from the hot tub, goes inside, dries off, out on the rink. He does the circuit all day long and yeah. never wants to come in. And we, at our age, never want to go out. No, it's true. I, I think I've told you this. There was about three or four outdoor rinks within five or six blocks of my house. And my buddies would come to my parents' house because we were closest to this one that we played shinny on all day. We'd put our skates on at my mom and dad's house, walk down the streets because it was covered in snow and ice, stay out there for hours. And I said to Rachel, I said, what we would do is like, well, my feet are frozen now, so I, I guess I don't have to go in. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're already frozen, so I'm good now for another hour or two. <laughs> I came home all the time. I had like white frostbitten toes and didn't oh, give yeah. a shit. I remember when they would thaw and it would hurt. Sting. You would cry. Yeah. Sting. I should also mention that my granddaughter, May May, is also out there all the time, too. In fact, yes. she actually plays a little shinny with her brother. I don't want to leave her out of the equation because she's an outdoors person as well. Okay. Well, duly noted. You know, you've got to, you got to, you know, you got to show a balance. Do you want me to play something from Frozen for everybody? <laughs> so is that it for news, Dan? It was, uh, that's it, yeah. The war is good. Yeah, war well, is enough. coming. The war, yeah. That's enough, yeah. War is coming, my friends. Well, well I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm supposed to go have dinner with my youngest tonight. She was going to make me dinner. They were going to make me... But I'm looking at the snow, and I'm not sure if I want to drive downtown while there's a weather advisory. Well, and the war. You, and the you war. You're going to go have dinner with your kids when there's impending war? Yeah, I know. The, the airway, <laughs> there could be air raid sirens, and we'll all have to run into our basements and stuff. Come on. Well, yeah, I, you know, you've, you, make, you make a good point. I'll tell you, I, I said this a couple of years ago, if you ever wanted to see what human beings... We're really like this pandemic was going to show it and I was right but I'll tell you what if we have to go to war <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going back to Moose Jaw fuck <clears throat> this shit I'm going to go yeah, hide what out what are they going to do about those mandates <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> we're running out of people and you're told you have to go to war no I'm not into those mandates <laughs> yeah I wonder if the anti-maskers if they were told get inside the, the bombs are coming not me yeah. not me. Yeah. <laughs> my body my bombs yeah. <laughs> air raid sirens I'm tired of them mm-hmm. assholes Let's march on. That's what I mean, think about the people in London during the nightly bombings. I'm sick of being bombed every night. Good for you. Um, but really, just stop down and think about that. How much you love your children and your grandchildren. You think every night there's a threat that you could die. Yeah. From these things falling out of the sky. Like, how do you survive that? How do you not become... How does that not fuck you up mentally for the rest of your life and probably did it absolutely did i i i think a lot of people that survived that especially in london you people who don't know history they were bombed every fucking night by the nazis and just think what they put up with shortages of food rationing you know having to have all your lights off every night Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, you're like, I, it's sort of sort of a societal societal PTSD. And then you walk outside and like half your city's in ruins, yeah. if not more. 
You know, when I was in London, I think the time before last, we took one of those uh, jump-off, jump-off tours. And during it, they showed several places throughout London where you could, like, the sides of buildings and stuff where there were still marks from where, you know, shrapnel or whatever you call it. And it just... It's such a weird feeling to see that because you can't imagine in this day and age, like being in downtown Toronto while it's being attacked. Yeah. And during a war. Just try and put your head there. <laughs> then going on with your life. You know, yeah. like, like I was in the gas station, Circle K shop. Yeah. Having a piss. Yeah. Having a piss. <laughs> Celebrating your birthday. I was just stopping in for a piss. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there Here are some a, of my favorite piss places. Piss tour of Etobicoke. <laughs> You'll join Humble Howard as he takes you to all his favorite pee stops along the way. Uh, hop on, hop on. Yes, that's right. That's right. You'll stop at the Perfume Fireworks Warehouse for a piss, not to be confused with the Seven Eleven. Grab some chicken on the go. So I walk in there, and there's a couple of gentlemen. One is probably in his late twenties, and his dad is probably in his late forties, early fifties. Both burly, strong men. None of them are wearing masks and i said to rachel i said i felt bad for the younger women that work there they're a family and i see them there all the time very nice their sisters all very sweet and they're I, what are they supposed to do those two people wouldn't wear a mask which is which is the rules to go into a, a shop mm-hmm. so so we we won't even follow those rules what's going to happen if we have to stop start dodging bombs on the way into sobeys Mm-hmm. You know, you see those people with the mask and you think, you know what, I would just, if you got to spend some time with those people, you'd quick, quickly come to the conclusion what kind of people they are. It's like when, you know, you're on the 401 something uh, or something, you see a guy in a sports car weaving in and weaving out and putting his brakes on and putting everybody else at risk. Just yeah. for their own impatience, whatever that comes from. And I often think that. I bet you if I could, you know, if that car stopped and we went into a place and I got to know that guy for a few minutes, I know exactly the type of guy he is. A fucking yeah, dick. Well, you wouldn't want him not, to be around. Not, not all of us are. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so much of that stuff manifests, manifests in that behavior. You sure know? it does. Like, like, those guys just couldn't put a mask on just to do their part for a few minutes. Like, really? Well, that's what I, the point I'm trying to make is if you won't put a mask on, wait till, yeah. you know, shit's coming yeah. down from the exactly. sky. Well, oh, they'd be the doesn't... first cowards to run down into the goddamn, you know. And, you know, and then you read these reports, I said, of people. It's like you don't believe the vaccine is real and you won't take any. But, but you'll go to the hospital when you get COVID so that the doctors can fix you. Like, I don't know how they do it. You know, and they really are. You know, we always say that teachers are special, and there's a lot of people in our society. You know, if Tony Romo is making $18 million a year, what should the ER doctor that has to deal with somebody who's, you know, dying of COVID, like, what is that person? What what are they supposed to make? But I don't know how they do it. Like, if I was a doctor, and I was putting myself and my family at risk by dealing with COVID patients, and you were like an anti-masker or somebody that didn't get the vaccine... Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could treat you. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would treat you I poorly. Know, I, know, I know. I would. I would I give you poor treatment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you might, but you'd also be in conflict with your Hippocratic oath. Right? Well, that's, I would say you're right, Daniel. 
You'd have that uh, conversation with yourself all the time. He, Howard would inject them with piss. Yes. You'd have lots of it. <laughs> the piss report. Lots of it. I'd be like, doctor, are you giving me a therapeutic? Yes, I am. The piss report. I'm giving you some Dr. Howie's <laughs> special homemade, homemade Ivor Pixton. I'll fix the bastard. I'll get you. The piss report. <laughs> I don't feel so good. That's because you've got piss in my, my piss in your veins. This is a great way to end the show. Just yelling piss. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks very much, everybody. Thanks for the well wishes. Tomorrow, uh, that'll be interesting. We're going to be talking to... Uh, a broadcaster who got so disgusted with radio that she quit. Yeah, this is going to be weird. Mm. Uh, Wednesday, the guys from Dwayne Gretzky will be here. And we're still uh, securing a, a guest. I will say this, speaking of guests, you know, Bob McCown was on with us recently. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob's episode was one of our most downloaded episodes in the Humble and Fred 10-year history, but it was recently surpassed by Brian Williams. <laughs> and uh, the Brian, I told Dan, Danny, I told Fred yeah. today, the Brian Williams show yeah. might be our most downloaded episode of this show in 10 years. And I don't know why, but just goes to show you that you know, name recognition is everything, and name recognition and you guys putting it all together. You know, that should be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Well, it people was, uh, and yeah. just crazy how uh, how many people were into that episode. And we, hey, listen, we're grateful. Our sponsors are grateful, and we appreciate the support. Just interesting. What what moves the yeah. needle, as they say, Freddie? Well, and that our top two guests of all time are both sports guys. Yeah. Yeah. You should have a running top ten list on your website there. Yeah, of what the best, the most oh, listened to shows. Oh, but then that wouldn't be fair to the other guests that don't rank as well, but took the time to spend. Uh, you know, took the time to be on the show. Oh, that's right. You're all about it fairness. might hurt their feelings yeah. if they rank like low. You don't yeah. want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, Let's not do that then. Well, Sorry Daniel, the uh, why yeah. don't you uh, you know take us home for one more time before okay. we go to war? <laughs> By the way, just you just imagine the three of us off to war. Just how what a bunch of old whiny bitches we would be. We'd just be like, oh. this food sucks, Dandron. Well, uh, excuse me, I'd like to speak to the war manager. <laughs> yeah, I would. Can I one more piss reference? You saw nineteen seventeen, right? Mm. Where that kid's in the in the in the trench and just yeah. starts pissing himself. Yeah. That, well, that that would be that would be me out of fright. It would be you just because it's you. But it would be you. <laughs> and the, the sarge would look over to me and go, "Are you frightened, soldier?" I go, "No, I just <laughs> just can't stop pissing." I frequent and <laughs> I am frequent and okay. urgent urination. <laughs> what about your friend? He's scared. <laughs> Two of us just be sitting there with pissy pants. Hey, it's the pissy twins. Mm. Why is nobody with those two guys? <laughs> That's right. Nobody wants to nobody go near them in the trenches. No one wants to sit next to us in the foxhole. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dan Duran's using his periscope to look out. <laughs> oh, man, I hate pissing myself when it's minus 40. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh. <laughs>
Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, GoDaddy, and our newest sponsor, Manscaped. Making balls cleaner and more streamlined for that extra special new ball sheen. I'm Dan Duran, and balls, balls, balls. Oh,